Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of faith for our messy lives. I'm Tony Kolenk, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law. I'm also the father of five grown children, and I write inspirational fiction for both teens and adults. Holidays just about here. There's still time to get those books for your teens, whether they are from my guest today, Janet Victor, or from my own series, The Harwood Mysteries, which you can find more about on my website, antonycolink.com. Book five had just released a few months ago. But today I will be speaking with Janet Victor about faith and finding our true identities. My guest today is Janet Fichter. After a long career serving in public education, Janet now enjoys writing narratives, thought-provoking essays, and other writing that kindles a passion for serving Christ. She's actually the author of a spiritual reflection guide called The Ministry of the Unveiled Face, and she's written two young adult novels, Princess Tiara and the Crown of Virtues, and her most recent release, Princess Tierra and the Battle for Fruitful. Janet also maintains an active blog at jesusfeet.com, which contains her favorite nonfiction and poetry pieces. And she hosts a Facebook page on prayer and writes for literary journals and poetry and story anthologies. Janet, welcome to The Shepherd's Pie. Thank you. I definitely appreciate this opportunity. Tell us a little about your background, especially in public education and, uh, and what you did there and what that was like. Well, I taught primarily upper grade elementary, and then I spent a good part of my career as an ESL teacher, which stands for English as a Second Language. So I worked with teachers, helping them understand the needs of Second Language learners, those whose home language is not English. Um, And then I certainly worked with those students and their parents as well. It was uh, really the most delightful years of my career. And then I also, towards the end of my career, I did some coaching with educator effectiveness, helping teachers improve their practice in the classroom by giving them feedback um, on what I was noticing in the instructional arenas and how kids were reacting to what they were instructing. As a classroom teacher, the years I spent in the classroom, writing was certainly my very favorite subject to teach. Just really enjoyed bringing in so many aspects of helping kids understand the craft of writing, certainly the skills involved, but really enjoyed units that would bring in analogy. And a person who can think in analogy, and especially who can write with analogy, really goes to a deeper level of processing and expressing their thoughts. So yeah, that was writing was always uh, my very favorite subject to teach. I always like to say when I go and give talks to middle school classes, that it was my English teachers that really, I think, just gave me everything I needed to know about writing. So I always like to do a shout out to them. In fact, uh, Mrs. Grady, one of my uh, English teachers, I wound up coming back in contact with much later in life. I actually met her daughter at an event at a writing conference, and we didn't even know it. Um, And next thing you know, now uh, Mrs. Grady has my young adult novels. So it's, it's nice to kind of connect back and be like, hey, yeah, remember when you were teaching us writing? 
everything circles around. And I think, you know, those teachers work so very hard and it's such a joy for them to see students they've taught that are grown and doing well. Absolutely. So I take it that probably has to do with uh, your desire to write young adult novels. So maybe talk a little bit about that. How did you get into writing? I've written my whole life. I remember even back in fourth grade, starting a poetry journal, and I was so excited. I'd run home from school and, and write a poem about something. And so, yeah, it's just kind of in my genetic makeup. I think my mom was a writer and had pages and pages of stories and editorials. And so it's in the family. But once I retired from teaching, I finally thought, okay, now I can really delve into this. I can hone my craft. I can figure out this publishing world, which is so complicated and uh, many, many facets to publishing. Just really love sharing the words that God gives me. So that's why my blog is so active and I have time now. So I'm writing all the time. <laughs> all right. And one of the things you're writing is about Princess Tierra. So maybe let's talk a little bit about that series and what that's all about and, and who you wrote it for. The original Princess Tiara and the Crown of Virtues I wrote about 10 years ago when my youngest niece, whose name happens to be Tiara, was 10 years old. And I love to give special gifts to my nieces and nephews. I don't have any children of my own, so I really love my nieces and nephews as if they were my own. And I decided I wanted to write her a story. That's how that story kind of sketched out. And then, of course, I developed it once I retired. I was able to go back to that original story and develop it much more thoroughly. But the characters in the book, Princess Tiara has six siblings in the book, seven total children in the royal family of Fruitful. And those other six characters in the story are also my nieces and nephews, representative of my nieces and nephews in real life. This way, I was able to elevate the strengths and the beauties of each of my nieces and nephews, who I love very dearly. And Fruitful is a very interesting name for a location. Uh, tell us about Fruitful. So it's uh, set in a kingdom of fantasy land, not necessarily uber medieval, but in that era where there were not a lot of modern conveniences, but they are part of the royal family and they live in a kingdom called Fruitful, which is a beautiful kingdom, has never had many problems to their knowledge, has never had any enemies. Life is great, but each child of the, the king and queen has to earn the crown that they wear. And they have to earn a special gem that fits in their crown. So the first story, the Crown of Virtue story, is all about um, how Tiara learns from her older siblings, how they earned their special gem, their special crown. And the test of earning the crown or the gem is through proving a virtue. So each of the princes and princesses have a special virtue, which correlates to the virtues that are needed in life for us to live a quality life, a meaningful life, a loving life. The virtues elevated are righteousness, knowledge, humility, compassion, encouragement or loyalty, perspective or wisdom, and then finally courage. So I'll probably won't give away any more than that for the first story. And then the second story takes it much more deeper and becomes more of a spiritual allegory about the kingdom of God 
you will find the presence of evil. You will find a conflict, an enemy that seeks to desecrate and destroy the kingdom of fruitful. And so all of the children, especially young Tiara, have to draw upon their virtues to figure out why the enemy is here, what can we do to protect our kingdom. And in doing so, Tiara meets the warrior king, who is allegorical for meeting Christ. And she journeys up to the mystical kingdom where the warrior king is. It's called the Kingdom of Mysterious Peaks. Um, and has an encounter with the warrior king and meets all kinds of interesting mystical beings on the way, on the journey. And she is emboldened and ready to go back down to Fruitful and help her brothers and sisters conquer this evil presence. Sounds exciting. And it sounds like some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are uh, intertwined there in your storyline. It sounds also very allegorical. So I guess you've mentioned allegory a few times. I know some of the reviews I saw online definitely viewed it as a very allegorical story. And what's the age range that you are uh, writing this for? About approximately nine years old to 16 though I've had lots of adults that have just loved it. So I don't want to just limit the age range, but it's, you know, written for young adults. All right. Let's talk a, a little bit now about this idea of identity. How do you work that theme into your uh, into your novels? Both books or both stories are somewhat a coming of age for young Tiara as she discovers not only her virtue, but the value of living a virtuous life. And that's rough for her because she's very free-spirited and she loves nature and she loves exploring the beauty of the kingdom. And so it's initially a resistance for her. And then in the second story, as she has finally embraced the fact that living a virtuous life is important, she has to face fear of what do I do? How do I help? I, I'm only 12 years old. How do I help conquer this evil? And where do I find the virtues necessary for it? As she journeys up to the kingdom of mysterious peaks to meet the warrior king, she is escorted by several creatures and a guardian that help her understand, you know, this is who you are. This is how life can be lived. And you're never alone. And you'll always have help. There are many beings that are with you all the time to help and guide you. But bravery is important. And drawing upon what you have been crowned with is critical to fight against evil. Now, having taught in a public school for so many years, I suppose you've probably seen this issue of identity come up with some of your students Maybe that helped uh, develop some of these ideas for the story. Can you address some of that, maybe? Uh, some of your own experiences with people finding their identity? Yes, and it is tricky in the public schools, as, as you well know. Uh, we walk a fine line with bringing up anything for whatever reason. It just makes no sense. But when you think of how God made us, how God defined us, how God gifted us, and made us so unique. And when talked with so many students who, when you're with them in a small group or in more of a one-on-one -on -one instructional time period, they really open up more about their home life, about friends, of course, the, the challenges of friendships, and about those temptations that they face. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't understand why this is happening in my home. I don't know how to succeed. I don't know how to improve. So lots of self-condemnation at times or a lot of fear 
that comes through and certainly a lot of wrestling with home situations at times, very difficult moments. As a public school teacher, you just want to take them aside and say, look, what you're not able to do in a direct way. I always tried to find indirect ways. And I would always be honest and say, you know, especially if the student brought God up and that would happen too. I would say, I can talk to you, but I need your parents' permission. Those are restrictions that I just sometimes cry about because there's so much we can go. And I know so many teachers who feel the same way. So many public school teachers who feel the same way. Did you have students who would actually then try to get their parents' permission or did that just effectively end the conversation? That would, to date, that effectively ended the conversation. Yeah. And it seems like today the kids with identity has always been an issue in coming of age and um, every coming of age story in some way deals with identity. Who am I? Why was I made? What am I meant to do? Were there any impactful encounters you had on those issues that led to uh, any of your themes in these books? Because the public school arena is a little bit limited. I also spent a few years as a youth leader of my church. And of course, you have a lot more leeway to speak about God and to help kids understand who they are in Christ and and to explore the fruits of the spirit and explore the gift of their identity. And I remember a little group of girls that loved dancing. I am not a dancer, but they loved dancing. So we formed a little dance troupe called Angels of Grace. I was single then and they would come over to my house And rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and just pretty much create their own dances because there was no way I was going to help them. (laughs) And in doing so, you know, we'd have slumber parties and formed quite a network. And most of those girls I still have at least a little bit of contact with. And they've all grown up to be just amazing women, uh, raising families of their own. A couple of them have entered the mission field. But when they were young, they did struggle. Lots of tears, lots of why can't I overcome this part of who I am. I remember one girl in particular just having quite a weight problem and really um, an addiction to eating. And so really sitting with her and talking with her about how loved she is and how God has everything for her and loves her how she is and has a future in store. And she's actually one who entered the mission field as a young adult. So I think a lot of it really is with kids, especially adults as well, It really has to do a lot with perspective, where you are focusing your thoughts mostly. And one of the characters, I'll go back to the story in um, the Tiara books, her brother, his name is Prince BK. He teaches Tiara about the virtue of perspective. And he guides her to view situations from a broader view. Take a step back, look at this situation from a different angle, Don't react. You need to respond instead of react. And I feel like more than anything, of course, all the virtues are important to a child discovering who they are. But I feel more than anything in today's world, that virtue of perspective is critical because adults, American society has so many bad habits and we do react constantly nowadays. You know, we teach our children outrage. We teach them what's in it for me kind of mindsets. And we guide them in in many ways. We guide them in the wrong direction. So it behooves us to help our children take a deep breath, take a step back, look at the situation from all angles, 
take a prayerful stance about the situation to seek wisdom and respond instead of reacting. So I think that's a lot of what I've always tried to do working with youth and kids is settle settle the emotions down, pay attention to where your thoughts are going, and know that God is there, Holy Spirit is there to guide you in those thoughts, to put those thoughts on the right things, the higher things, the deeper things, not that narrow what's happening in the immediate that my emotions are wanting me to react to. So I think that's sort of a foundational message in these two books and also in my work with kids. What about as we get older and we do come of age and, you know, it seems to me that even a lot of adults are still kind of struggling to figure out who they are and what their identity is. Um, have you have you encountered that in your own uh, ministry? Yeah, because we bring, if the issues of our childhood, if those questions go unresolved, if those messages that run through our heads are not guided into messages of truth about who we are and who God has created us to be, that carries with us into adulthood, plays out in so many different ways through addictive behaviors often through reactive behaviors often. And that, of course, has a devastating effect on relationships, which for adults, um, there are, we live lives of many broken relationships. Guess I could segue a little bit into my first book, The Ministry of the Unveiled Face, which is really a guide how we can share the simplicity of Christ's goodness with others who are searching and others who are hurting, and others who are broken and need to find wholeness, which can only be found in Christ. In that book, I have three principles of sharing the goodness of Christ is through prayer for the people God brings in our lives, and through sharing of his words of truth. We are so scared to share the Bible and what the Bible says, but when you proclaim the truths that are in the Bible, it's it's our sword. It's our sword of the Spirit. Um, and so when we share God's words with other people, I believe it has, it does something in the spiritual realm, whether they're aware of it yet or not. But, you know, some examples in the book of times when I've done that and um, have brought a person to really take that stepping back moment and seeing the situation from, oh, you you mean there's a, there's a spiritual realm to this? There's a spiritual aspect of, of my life? that I need to explore or that, you know, there's a God that really loves me. It's not just the universe. There's a God, you know, that kind of thing. So how do we tie that back then to true identity in our own faith, in our own lives? The messages that are very prevalent in society today tell us to define ourselves. That might be attractive. You know, we all want to kind of do things we enjoy, but when we're figuring out who we are, it really goes beyond just indulging in pleasures. We have to take it beyond indulging in, in the things that make us feel good. We have to take it beyond that to what difference am I going to make in this life? Life is short. What difference am I going to make by being the person I'm supposed to be? You can't define that for yourself. You have to find out who God is in order to find out who you are in God. So, you know, the first step has to be the awareness of our almighty creator, the one who created us with our unique talents and gifts and struggles and personalities and issues and wonderful things. We have to find out who we are and how he helps us and how he equips us and 
how he transforms us and how he changes us and uses us. And in doing so, then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm a prayer. I'm a writer. I'm an encourager. This is who he made me to be. And this is how I'll live out my life. That kind of thing. When you talk about this idea of everyday experiences that we have, and I know, unfortunately, for a lot of us, the everyday connections we have with family and friends, oftentimes, you know, they might not have a faith, or at least the same faith that we do. And, you know, a lot of what you're sharing about identity really is finding their identity in God and finding their identity in Christ. How do you bridge that gap if you're you're trying to help someone find their identity, but they aren't necessarily a person of faith, or at least not of deep faith. Yeah, I think that's the journey. That's what takes time. That's where you say, I'm in this for the long haul. And that's where you use that virtue of perspective and step back, ask questions, be a good listener, be a good friend, be compassionate with with what their needs are. And you pray and you pray and you pray for that open door and for the right words when that open door opens it's it's quite the journey i i can't tell you there's you know so many people in my life that i've prayed for for many 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 years even you know some who have said okay i'm shutting the door on our friendship goodbye and that hurts but they're in god's hands and others where i just keep praying for the open door to share his love and yeah it's i'm i don't think i am wired for evangelism in a strong way, more in a gentle, compassionate, loving way. So I continue to pray about that. (laughs) Well, I think so many people nowadays are more responsive to that approach than the the less gentle (laughs) approach that some people might be inclined to. So bringing it back to uh, Princess Tiara then before uh, before we start winding up here, How ultimately do the characters in in your stories come to terms with their true identities? In the fight against the evil force that enters their kingdom, they have to think, they have to plan, they have to make good choices. So the virtues that they've been crowned with come into play. They don't want to make mistakes. They want to gather all the information they possibly can to figure out what is going on? Why is this? has this enemy entered our kingdom? They have to respond compassionately. In one scene, a couple of the princesses ride throughout the kingdom to warn the villagers uh, who are unaware of the enemy, just in case. And, and they confront some of the anger from the villagers with compassion and with understanding. And then, of course, they have to have the right perspective They have to see the situation for what it is, uh, working together in unity, as we do in the body of Christ, with everybody drawing upon each other's virtues, to finally realize that to get rid of this evil, there's going to need to be intervention from a heavenly power, which is the warrior king, who works through the kids, through their words and their hearts and their interactions, uh, works through them to finally get rid of that evil force <laughs> without giving away too many details. Well, it sounds like you really take them on uh, quite the journey of, I guess, an allegorical journey of faith here. So if folks are interested in your stories or even in your blog, your spiritual reflection guide, and they want to get a copy, uh, where can they go to, to do so or even just to learn more about you? My blog is probably 
the best starting point. It does have a page on all my books, so um, they can go to the books and the links will take them straight to um, Amazon. All three books are available on, on Amazon. But there's also a sign up for my author newsletter, of which I send out monthly, which includes um, a little bit more reflective material for adults, spiritual reflection and essays about what's going on in life today and society today and how we can have that proper perspective about it, a godly perspective and see things through the lens of God's kingdom versus getting all reactive to what's going on here on earth. And that blog is at, at jesusfeet.com? Yes, yes, at jesusfeet.com, yeah. Well, Janet, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today. I'm really glad that you were able to join us on the show. Thank you so much. Again, I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to, to get the word out. I enjoyed it. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. Uh, we've been speaking with Janet Victor about faith, about virtue, and about finding our identities in God. Again, this is Anthony Brown Kolink. Uh, if you want to learn more about my uh, series for teens, uh, The Hardwood Mysteries, check out my website at antonykolink.com. I also have uh, links there if you want to request for me to come speak at your school or your homeschool group, uh, which I'm always glad to do. Until next time. May God bless us as we rely on our faith to work through the messy challenges of our lives. Mm-hmm.